Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Roll the Roost podcast. It's a uh, it's a start of a, a new season. Well, it's the end of an old season, but I'm tending to look forward because new microphone, beautiful new microphone, as hopefully you can hear. New season, beautiful new season. Hopefully under the tutelage of Jose Mourinho, but the same old gobshites here in uh, Raj and I. How you doing, Raj? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Paul. You? Yeah, not bad, mate. Um, in a week that obviously parts of the country where you are included still in kind of lockdown. Um, Semi-lockdown. As, we- as long as you're spending money, you're not locked down. But otherwise, don't be doing out. Sounds legit. Um, yeah. And also a week in which the Rule the Roost Twitter account has gone into lockdown <laughs> as well. Um. If you have noticed that, because I'm sure you do kind of pay close attention to everything. That it's because you kept you're... trying to retweet Wiley and agree with everything he was saying, wasn't it, Jack? <laughs> I, I asked you not to. Well, you know, I just I just thought the truth needed to, to, to be out there. I just, full clarity, I don't, I don't endorse any of Wiley's opinions. Um, it but... would be really bad being married to Charlotte if you did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would fly very well, to be honest. Um, no, I think that I, I, is genuine grounds for divorce. Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> um, but just for uh, some some clarity on that, given that the podcast now is seven years old, I uh, decided to set our birthday <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> to the date of the first episode, which resulted in the account being immediately locked because we were under 13 years of age but it sort of worried me a bit that you could be 13 and still have a twitter account maybe maybe i'm just being a bit you know a bit of a curtain twitching weirdo with that but you would have thought something like twitter would be in would be an 18 plus platform no i don't know i've <laughs> I have no idea but it, it made me laugh when you email when you texted me sorry and told me what had happened you're like by the way mate i've had our twitter account locked and i was like oh fuck what's he done now and when you told me what happened and you were, i think believe your exact words were i've had to email them a picture of my passport so they actually know i'm a 35 year old man and not <laughs> seven years old i think my words were a 35 year old fat hairy man yeah um but that yeah that is the case but they've they've ghosted me so far but that's enough about Twitter and their bizarre um, locking or not locking of accounts. It's quite quite Just quite on song there from Wiley to us being locked for an admin issue. Um, Pro tip for anyone: if you are setting your birthday on Twitter, don't don't set it for under thirteen years old. <laughs> yeah, especially if you are trying to. Uh, you know, appeal to no, no. Let's just let's, let's just kill that one there. Um, it's the end of the season, Raj. It's been a, it's been a, as predicted by our uh, chubby Argentinian and not me in this case friend, um, Pochettino. It has been a painful one at that. I think we could say on balance. Um, I guess starting on Pochettino, we have done sort of a whole podcast on that. Uh, it's pretty much what kick-started Royal the Roost again. But on sort of brief reflection, you still kind of... 
you know, are you still stoic on the on the decision at the end of the day? Yeah, um, it's less less raw than it was. Obviously, with time heals all wounds and all that sort of thing. But I think recently when he was there signing that contract with his kid and that, it, it still brought it back. And I think it'll never go. I think we'll always have that what if and and that sense of unfinished business. I think he will too. I think it's inevitable at some point that he will return. Um. And I think it'll be a shame if he doesn't at some point. Um, but it's, um, I think at this point we just kind of have to realise that there's, there's still a club, there's still a team, there's still things for us to be doing, and we can't, we can't mope around for too long because we will just end up, you know, spiting ourselves and being more miserable as a result. When because, yeah. I was just going to say, just it, pro- it, progress it, it, and it, try as oh best. You can tell we're rusty. Well, we're not too rusty, but yeah, I agree with you. And I was, all, I, all I was going to cut in and say there is that you know, especially the stuff with his kid, it, it, it does touch that emotional nerve, right? And you can see it. But if you are to be, well, it wasn't just that. He turned back up in his full Spurs tracksuit and that. And he's had that. What was it? His barbecue that he'd had, like his Spurs quote put on it and stuff like that. Like he'd, he's not shying away from his connection from the club, but he's not. It's you know sometimes those things can end sourly. You know Mourinho at Spurs is a great example of that. He's his biggest link in England is with Chelsea, and yeah. they turned their nose up when he went to Man United, but they turned their nose up even more when he came to us. And he even said it's because I got sacked that I've come here. He'd previously said he'd never do that, but. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where it could have been a much soured relationship. But I think you know, Mourinho actually deserves some credit for this because he's always been quite upfront and quite um, honest with the fact that he he he's not strange to the fact that the club are in the position they're in because of Pochettino. And he said, you know, open door policy. If he ever wants to come back, this is more his team than it is mine. This is more his club than it is mine. I'd never stop him wanting to do what he wants to do and coming back and everything. And I think that'd be, you know, that'd be a, a really nice thing at some point. But it's nice to know that he's not, not a stranger around the place and he'll still be in contact with the players and everything. So it just depends when, when this Mourinho thing ends and it'll be max three, four seasons at, at most. Um, I reckon next season is, is either way, is our halfway point with Mourinho, whichever yeah. way it goes. We see what happens with... With Pochettino after that, hopefully he's found a job by then. You know, maybe Juventus or something. They they hate Sarri, and it wouldn't be bad to see him go there because he'd he'd have the resources and players to to make a real well, tilt or something. He's, he's turned down the Monaco and he's turned down Benfica. Um, I'm not even sure those. Are they're they're definitely beneath him though. They are. That's it. That's it. Right. Yeah, definitely beneath him. Do you think he's still waiting for United? No, I don't think that United job's going to come around anytime soon. Solskjaer's going to be there for the majority of next season, as long as you know, for as long as they're in the Champions League, at least he will be there. So that's until just after Christmas. It does feel um, disrespectful to say, but not like not like he gives a shit about my opinion. But with Solskjaer, to me, I think United are a great team, and I think he deserves some credit for. You know, essentially, essentially getting, getting a load of good players that play quite well. well. But to me, he's to me, always, always just going to be a bit of a bottleneck from their ambition. ambition. I, I can't, yeah. can't. I think they've I got think a squad that's capable of doing, doing close to what City or Liverpool have done. I think they can maybe a bit work on that defence, but... Can, he's like can. a um, he's like a less offensive Sherwood in that he's doing the the very basic yeah, and yeah. letting players play, and because yeah, they have yeah. a very good squad, that that gets you so that gets you so far, but it's it's never going to be a, a long term thing when it comes into the the really, you know, those fine margins and stuff. They'll never really get there because he isn't that good. Uh, it's, I, I, you know, I, I comparable think, to Roberto well, Di Matteo well, winning yeah. the Champions League with Chelsea, it just it's one of those things. 
one of those one of those as well that well, I've touched on that. I personally feel it's been been quite overlooked from the the sunshine narrative. Is is just just quite how drastically the form and form and turned around with the signing of Bruno Fernandez and in turn down down turned as Bruno Fernandez started started to retire. Pogba's fit and starting to play again as well, and they, these aren't bad players. These are that's an expensive squad with lots of talent in it. Look at Martial, He's still incredible. Yeah, I think they're they're sort of they're hitting what their par should be, really, because a club of that size and with the players they have should be getting into the top four, and, and that's what they've done. I don't think they'll really get much past that level with Solskjaer in charge. No, but at the same time, if we're, talking about, if we're talking about Pochettino timelines, I'm not sure it fits in with them. I think Juventus is Probably more likely. Bayern's off the table because they're actually playing well now. Um, that could yes, have been... Yes, maybe. Hmm... Barca would never go to because of the Espanol thing. Um, Real Madrid are happy with Zidane. It's kind of, you know, PSG's a, an option. Um, and I, I, the one that I thought was most likely to happen would have been Newcastle if that Saudi takeover had happened. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, that's gone because we've got no real history with, with Newcastle. He would have still been in the league. It would have been a complete blank slate for him and an open checkbook for him to, to do as and what he wanted to do. Um so it's sort of, uh, he's almost unemployed in like the worst possible landscape for it because the, the opportunities for him at the level he wants to be at are very scarce, uh, very sparse. And I, and I think it's probably at the minute, if I had to guess where he'd end up, it, it would be Juve. I think it'll I think work out, work out quite well for him. I think it's a nice chance to recharge, recharge the batteries and, and kind, of, kind of get back, get back in the game. And, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and uh, take people take people by surprise, surprise a bit, you know, um, which you shouldn't, you shouldn't do. But yeah, you know, I think he's he's a legitimate, brilliant, brilliant manager. We all know this. Um, um, so so probably probably the right move. Right yeah, like we were saying, there is a big like emotional draw there, but it is it is it is easy to overlook, especially especially not just just the result, manner manner in which that. surprised when the the news came I wasn't I don't yeah, think I yeah. saw it coming I, I I remember being really down that night because of it um and it was just one of those where I I kind of felt like he was going to get given until January and the chance at January to sell as many people as he wanted to and and try and try and do some stuff but I just think it was like you say I don't think it is been negative. I don't think he lost the dressing room. I think it was just that. I think that that Champions League run was such an emotionally wrought thing, and we've we've gone into that ourselves more than enough. And I think, uh, speaking for both of us, I think it's only now that the pair of us are only just starting to start to see past that, or yeah. not yeah. even see past that. But I think we've fully readjusted what our relationship with supporting Tottenham kind of is after that, because I don't think either of us are as 
or at least we try not to be as emotionally invested as we were then. I don't think that's a conscious decision. I think it's more just, you know, looking out for our own health kind of thing. Um, well, I, I, mean, I agree with you. It, it, it does, it sounds OTT. Um, just for anybody listening, it's thinking I give over it's just again. But from a lot, a lot of Spurs fans I've spoken to after that kind of chat box, because the Champions League, the fingertips away from glory, as it were, was, was, was a hell of a come down, right? And not so much that we lost the final. I, I, I don't I don't buy into this idea that there's this, you know, how dare you be so entitled, you know, of course you can lose a match. But to me anyway, very much so on this, it was the feeling that we didn't even get the biggest game we're ever going to see, really. Yeah, 20, 23 seconds is it, and that's it. Even and if, yeah, it was just, a, it was a complete anticlimax, and it was, it wasn't what those players deserved it to be. They, they weren't no, given no. a fruit of fair shake, and you know, it was a. As I've said, As I've said like they, they almost even deserved more. It sounds ridiculous to say, but they almost deserved more playing against Barcelona and having their like bum slapped by Lionel Messi. You know, losing three 0 to Barcelona but going down with a fight to a Messi masterclass. That you can reconcile a bit more than just some hooky penalty, you know, which we're opening this wound again. You said we were past it, Raj. You said we were past it, mate. No, it's it's just one of those where I think if we were that badly affected, I think the club will have been as well. Yeah. Um, you know, players like Danny Rose having to take their time away, I think it was just a natural, whichever way that went, it was the, I think that was a natural ending point for several of those, those journeys. Um, and it's painful because it's a journey we all enjoyed so much and we were also invested in and and having to sort of regather and start again has been a has been the biggest challenge of this season. I think that's what we're we're just starting to do now. I think with a bit of a bit of distance and everything, we we can we can actually face what the future is going to be. And you know the fact that the the seasons ended fairly positively and what have you, it's we've got a renewed sense of of not hope so much, but sort of you know almost as if the club and the fans have found their feet and. Uh, and we can we can try and you know regain what ground we've lost and, and and try building back up to to whatever we can be. And I think the strange circumstances around everything has kind of probably brought everything back into sharp focus a little bit and, yeah. and let everybody prioritise what what it needs to be. And football has now become a it's become a pastime again and a, a sort of a a source of enjoyment and um, less and some, just a, a, a such a fraughtly emotional roller coaster, but. Yeah. I, I wanted to pick up on something you were saying there about the kind of positive end of the season. And a lot's been made of Mourinho's cringeworthy, if you like, celebrations on the touchline. But there's a part of me that, number one, I think the whole thing was relatively tongue-in-cheek from him, to a degree. But on the flip side of it, I, I can see how somebody from the outside might look at it as in like, Look at Mourinho, look at Spurs celebrating finishing sixth, like how the mighty have fallen, so on and so forth. But to me, and it's something you've touched on there with sort of the state and the mindset of the players, is Mourinho perhaps not only, you know, I think he started to, even from a lot of sceptics, get some of the credit that he's definitely due for the way in which the players are performing on field. But given that we don't know a lot about the mental state that he found a lot of those players to be in, do you think part of that celebration could be the fact that he knows the place that the club was in more than anybody? That he might have gone in and just found a group of players who just were not up for it at all. And the fact that he's not only managed to get Spurs playing better football again in terms of results at least I know that's a big point of attrition at the moment the way in which we're playing but still the points stand up for themselves and our performances in terms of results are doing all right do you think he deserves more credit than he is being given 
I'd not really thought about that, to be honest. I, I kind of, maybe it says more about me, I'd kind of just assumed that those celebrations at the end of the game were something that Amazon had asked for, for a nice ending. Um, yeah, but it, it might, it may well be as well. But it's, um, it could be that, and I think it is an achievement given where the club were. It, this season could have really tailed off and been a complete write-off. Um so I think it is, in some sense, an achievement to be in Europa League. I think the money we're going to get out of it, although it's not Champions League money, is still a lot more than it would have been otherwise. And I think Especially this with summer, COVID as well. Yeah, this summer and next season would have been so much harder without that qualification. I've seen something uh, on Twitter recently about um, you know how often Spurs have finished in the top six in recent years compared to the time before that, and you know we are relatively relatively new club at the top end of the table, like the very top end of the table. Um, so we're not quite at the position where, even though we've been in the Champions League a few years running, where we're like it's a complete and utter disaster that we're not in it one season. Obviously, yeah. if it becomes five seasons, that's something different. But one season in the Europa League, especially with younger players and and, a, and hopefully a larger squad to rotate around around there, um, it's another avenue for us to look at to a to to win. This is a competition now we should be looking at as something we should be going to win. And it's another route into the Champions League for us. So it's um, it's not a complete disaster. It's not. It's obviously not what we wanted, but it's not a a booby prize either. And I think for Mourinho, it's sort of it's a sense of validation that he has managed to turn around the mood and the the performances to to some level. It, it, obviously, as you say, the the style of football and the way we've been winning games and what have you might not be to everyone's tastes and it might not be what we're used to, you know, not trying to always compare him to Pochettino, but, you know, at the very height of that Pochettino run, it, it might not be the same as that, but it's just, um, it, it, it's where we're at now. He's made the best of what he's had. And we, I think we, we're still forgetting that he came in midway through a season. So he's, it's, this is a, a, a painting of a cracks job that you've got to do. He's not had a full pre-season. He's, he's going to get, this weird preseason now as well. He's he's not really managed to change many players. He's it is he it has he's really been parachuted in, and it is a, a strange situation for him as well. And I think maybe those those celebrations more for him and his his um, backroom staff are sort of a little bit of validation for the work they've been doing. And they kind of know, look, we've given ourselves a better platform now to actually build what we want to build off of. Um, and hopefully that's the case. That that's the the kind reading of it. If it, I don't know why he'd do that in a mocking way or anything like that. I think it's just kind of horses yeah. for courses. When he was, when he was the biggest manager in the world, he could slag off the Europa League, but he he isn't anymore. He isn't at the biggest club in the, in the world anymore. So he has to readjust his outlook. But it would still be huge, basically, for anybody outside the minuscule percentile of a, of truly elite level clubs I'm talking you know you kind of Barca Real Madrid you know Manchester Bayern. United I suppose Bayern winning well, even Man United haven't huge... been in the in the Champions League every year have they they've, they've had their own I, I guess but still the kind of optics yeah they didn't really give a shit when they won it the other year under Mourinho and like mm. Chelsea for example since winning the Champions League they yeah, I, to me, Chelsea arguably should have cared a bit more about winning the Europa League, but they sort of especially because it was against Arsenal. Bit. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you consider if, if even City won the Europa League right now, it, it, they'd celebrate it as a major honour. They yeah, would do, and rightly so. I th- think it would be their first European title. Actually, I'd assume so. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and for Spurs, I think it would be. I, I'm just speaking for myself here. I mean. Were we to go and win the Europa League next year, it it would be unbelievable. I think it would be definitely the biggest achievement in my lifetime. I mean that that's not <laughs> the, the uh, we're drawing on a couple of League Cups and an FA. Yeah, Cup I was going to say we're not, we've remember. not really got much to uh, fall back on in no, that department. No, I mean I d- if I was to be completely sniffy about it, the the uh, the only thing that would tarnish winning the Europa League slightly is thinking. Uh, it's not the Champions League though, and it's I I only say that because we actually got to the final of the Champions League, and that would it. W- don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be sat there complaining about winning the Europa League. I'm just saying, like having gotten you know within touching distance of the Champions League, I know yeah. that like the high of the Europa League probably 
wouldn't have quite matched that, but it would still be incredible. And don't get me wrong, and that's something that I really hope we will kind of throw our eggs into the basket of next year. Um, well, because... yeah, there's no, there's no good reason for us not to. Well, and you, yeah, and you get a Champions League place for winning the Europa League now. So the kind of should we aim for, when it gets to that kind of business end of the season when you're having to juggle a squad and make a decision on do we chase the top four or do we go for the Europa League? I think I would be a lot warmer to chucking the odd league game here and there if it meant that we could focus on the Europa League, not only win a major European trophy but also champion uh, qualify for the Champions League out the back of it anyway. You know? Yeah, I think we should be. There isn't a million miles between us and Chelsea and Manchester United. Chelsea have invested heavily now, but that'll yep. increase the pressure on Frank Lampard, who's had a. He, he, I think he has had a, a very good season in charge. He may well finish it with he's an. He's had FA a free hit, well. though, hasn't he? But because he's yeah. had no, he's had no signings to make because he's had the the transfer ban and the yeah. youth players and everything, and because he's a legend there, he, the pressure has been off. He's been allowed to do what he can do is that their defensive records abysmal and all that sort of stuff, but they are making big signings now and the expectation levels will rise in line with that. So that this is his, is going to play his first proper season in charge, you'd say. Um, I'm just going to just, just a, a quick hot take, a fiery, fiery hot take, mate. I hope, I hope on. you've got gloves, gloves on before I pass this your way. You know, a lot of the signings that they've made, Werner, Ziyech, yeah, bit second rate just same you know yeah for this talk I mean, of Chelsea maybe going and winning the league next year don't buy it <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't buy it I think it's it, for them they're, they're definitely better than what they do have um and then it isn't quite like the world's best players going but these aren't players that weren't wanted by other clubs as well so it's yeah. I don't mind the recruitment. I mean, if they're they're not signings that would have necessarily fit in with Spurs, so I'm not jealous of them because you know we've got enough wingers as it is without adding Ziyech to it, um, and you know we don't need another striker of Werner's quality because we need somebody who just wants to play behind Harry Kane. Um, it's it's one of those where I'm not as as fussed. It's it's. I try not to worry about other clubs as much anymore because you don't really know what's going to become of them because it, no, of it could go really well and it couldn't. We've we've had it before where we think we've made seven amazing signings and we're going to transform the team and it doesn't work. And we've seen other clubs before, like um, Liverpool, for example, signing lots of money on players that we think, oh, that's not going to create much. And they've managed to make a, a really good homogenous squad off the back of it. So. Well, yeah, I, th- I thought Salah was going to be second rate when they signed him. And I thought yeah. Fabinho looked like a donkey and... Fabinho's probably one of the best midfielders in the world now, so there yeah. you go. So um, it's, it's one of those where you, you just kind of have to... It's yeah. a gamble for anyone making signings, especially Premier League clubs, because you have to overpay because we've got so much more money than anyone else. It's it's just one of those where you're not sure what's going to happen. Look at, you know, even us, we're on Dombele, it's a different scenario, but for the amount of money we sent on him, for the amount of places that actually wanted him, it was a real coup for us to get him and it's not worked out as yet. That's not me writing him off. I think there's several different factors within that, but it's it's one of those where it, things that appear one way on paper in football rarely ever go that way. And it is a and even, and when they do go that way, it's still a surprise that it has gone that way because it so often doesn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, what is it? What is it, it turned out to be Sold Elvis, signed the Hoosiers, wasn't it really for uh, Canali Hoosiers and seven? But uh, <laughs> is it only Lamella um, that's left of them seven now? Yes. Yeah. So it? what is it? Ericsson, Capoue, <laughs> Chadley, Paulinho, Chadley, Kirikaj, Soldado. Was it Soldado that summer? Mm, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Was it? Maybe not. And Lamella. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, Soldado Lamella. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Just to, not, to, uh, not to kind of dent the the closer season optimism, because it, it, it did end well and, you know, notably getting one over Arsenal, not only finishing above them, and, and I, don't, I don't fucking buy into any of this. It's tin pot to aspire to finish above Arsenal. Get fucked. Like, <laughs> if, 
spent my whole life being done over by that lot. We've seen countless horrible things that we don't need to relive dealt to us at the hands of that club. Taking any shred of joy out of, you know, people celebrating even the minorest of achievements over them can get in the fucking bin. Like, just lap it up because sooner or later they'll be back on top again and it will be shit again. So just enjoy it while it lasts. Um, But the only thing that I would say that's just, it's just a nagging one. And it's completely out of our control, but it would have been nice if our, uh, if our Leipzig game hadn't have happened pre Corona, that we'd have had the break and we were going into the champions league now because I would have fancied us to shit out it, you know, the form we were in now going into this champions league, mini world cup thing, can you honestly say there wouldn't be a little bit of you that thinks, hang on, hang on, like nasty daddy Jose is gonna uh, gonna take it to take it to Europe here again, and you're gonna see Harry Kane lifting lifting big ears, um, as the Scousers call it. It would have been nice. It would have been nice, but yeah, hey ho. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I guess the last bit to wrap up this season, though, is just to look at the signings we've made. And we might as well start on Ndombele, because yeah. we've already touched on him a bit. Uh, there is, there's been sort of contrasting reports the past couple of days. Yesterday, he was linked with Inter Milan. Today, there's been some quotes from Football London saying that they understand that Tottenham aren't prepared to listen to, a, to any offers for him, that they want to give him some time. Now, to me, that just reads... You're not getting him cheap, um, yeah. Because I I get the impression at least that he doesn't want to be here, and Jose doesn't really want him here. Um, but it would be a shame to see him go, right? Yeah, I, I think when we we went through the squad last time, we we both agreed that he's the one that we'd would regret letting go the most. And, and we've already said that Mourinho's not here for long term, um, which will bite us back in the ass when ten years down the line he's still our fucking manager. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't. I think I, I want on Dembele to be here longer than on Mourinho is, if that makes sense. I kind of think this first season hasn't gone exactly to plan. It's there's there's been some stumble stumbling blocks, but he's still fantastic, and I, I really don't think knowing Daniel Levy, he's not going to take a loss on him, and he's not going to let him go cheaply. So somebody will have to pay more than what we paid for him in order to get him, which, you know, in a business sense isn't that bad, but in two, three years, he might be worth double treble that. So it's it's one of those where I don't think it makes sense to let him go at the moment. He deserves another season to try and prove himself. He actually deserves to play some fucking football because yeah. he, he hasn't. And I think that's the bottom line is that he just hasn't played football. And when he has, he's looked good. He's only had one or two performances where he hasn't been up to scratch. And in your first season, a new league and a new team at the age he's at and with some of the fitness issues he's had, that's that's to be expected. I, I, I just think he he deserves a bit more rope, as it were. It's hard to know, really, because we, we kind of spoke about the confirmation bias the last time about, oh, look, he's looking tired. That means he's unfit. I, th- I think, you know, there notably have been a, f- a few appearances, I'm going to say, across the season where I thought, fucking sort yourself out, lad. You know, on a, on a genuine level, like, come on. Like, you shouldn't be blowing out your ass yet. But I think post-lockdown, you know, a, a lot of players looked quite leggy you know Lachelso, who uh we will come on to was was an example of that you're absolutely flying before the break and I think sort of 
looked a, a little bit more leggy post post lockdown. Um, but yeah, Ndombele, we 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 want to keep him. I mean, it's it's obviously if if we to look at this season forensically, you would probably count it as a bit of a failure of a signing, if you like, if you want to be as ruthless as that. But there are still green yeah. shoots there, right? And Massively. overall, we want to hold on to him. Whether or not we will, time will tell. It's very hard to... When those um, reports about him going to Inter Milan came out, the reports were pretty much said Inter Milan want either on Dembele or Sissoko. And I was like, well, you can have Sissoko. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tangy, you can uh, you can think twice about. Yeah, you can, you can do one, really. Um, let's jump to a, to a random one first. Jack Clark. Because, uh, you know, he was, I believe it was our first signing in three years or whatever it was. Three windows, sorry. Um, £10 million, which, yeah, for, for a club that prides itself on frugality, does, f- from my unlearned perspective at least, seem quite... Seem like a lot for a well, kid. Well, it seems like a lot for a kid that was not actually that young in the grand scheme of things and hasn't particularly torn up trees, hasn't represented England at any level, I believe. And to be honest, I, I mean, you, and this is why I'd be interested to hear your perspective, given that I know you've got a few mates who are leads. But, Unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, from the judging from the reaction on social, they weren't particularly that bothered, and they actually found it quite funny that we'd spent that amount of money on him. Um do you think it was reading between the yeah. lines and some of the things that's been said by some of the lead reporters? It does sound like one that had been recommended by Bielsa to Pochettino. Really, and I think that's one of the reasons we went for him because uh, I think Bielsa really did like him, and that's one of the reasons why we give him straight back. Um, and then Bielsa clearly changes mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's um, yeah, it's a strange signing. I hope. I wish the best for the kid. It's just you, you can't really form an opinion on him. He's, no. he's not really played that much football. Not no football for us, and um, you know he's not turned the championship alight while he's been on loan either. So it's it's one of those where it might just you know signing young players is a gamble. We know that as well as anyone. The you know I remember the amount of excitement we had when we signed Bostock, and you know the most exciting output he ever had while he was at Spurs was Christian Rapp. So it's not as if we're aware that these things are ever going to go to plan. Um, so it's it's strange. Some work out, some don't. Delhi Ali for five million. Most people, you know, weren't aware, but it, you know, it works. I think the, the the thing that's interesting for me is that the, the bar is set pretty high at Spurs now, right? In terms of like our youth, if you consider, you know, there's, there's players like Josh Onoma who are derided by Spurs fans, but. Seems a very, very capable football, as we saw evidence from his oh, Fulham. his goal, yeah, the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. do wonder if you know you, you, there is kind of that. I think it's probably a bit unfair on the leads, if I have to be fair to them, to say they're a small pond, but still, you know, you, you can quite. I, I mean it more in the sense that Leeds have, have classically got a good academy and are quite good for nurturing young talent and such. But I do wonder. Yeah, Leeds, you know, Leeds are in a really fortunate position of being the biggest club in the area, so they will mop up a lot of the local talent. And um, the academy at Thorpe Arch has is, is always produced really good talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's not a surprise that you know their youngsters are, are ones that people go for, and they always have been. Um, but it's it's just one of those where it, we'll see because just see what type of player he becomes. It, it's he must have had something about him for the club to do that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have sanctioned the transfer and wouldn't have gone for it at all. So it's maybe it was just a dodgy, dodgy brown brown paper envelope deal between Bielsa and Poch. Maybe that maybe that's what yeah, Amazon yeah. documentary is going to cover. Some sort of, <laughs> sort of RG. <laughs> Some sort of RG fraud scheme. Um, if there's something in there that keeps Leeds in the championship, then I'm all for it. You'll be going to Ellen Road, don't you? Yeah, of course. Well, if we're allowed to go, we are. But otherwise, I don't know. 
It is, we'll it see, is. won't we? What, what state the world's in when that fixture comes around? No, it's like, it's like me, me, me and every other real is the one that can't the right. You want to experience it always to Ellen Road, really. really. Um, Have you never been to Ellen Road? You've no, never no. experienced the glory of that great big skipping beast? <laughs> <laughs> no, never been, been, never, never been, never been, been to a home, home game, game, away game, away game, nothing. It's one of those where it's a throwback ground now. I mean, they've done, they've put some plaster on the front and they've tried to change it and you know put lipstick on a pig but it's still fucking <laughs> skipping a really shit area of Leeds um, and you do get that old school feel when you're inside it as well um, I've been a few times cause obviously I've been uh, pretty much any time Spurs play there yeah, and the yeah. last time we played there in the cup we lost and then a few times watching town as well I've been uh, with, with mates because it's quite amusing um, but yeah it's um, it, it's a it's one of it's a, one of few traditional football grounds we've got left especially of that size um but we'll we'll see we'll see what uh what happens with that hopefully if we don't get to go this season we'll we might get them in the cup in a season or two going forward we don't we won't know yeah i'm i'm really puzzled with this because he we wanted him for about five years, and now he wants we're going to put him back on loan or something. And it's not as if Mourinho didn't want him because he tried to sign him while he was at Man United as well. So I have no idea. I have no idea how much it was. Um, I think it was probably a bit less than that, but it it wasn't a small signing. It wasn't a sort of a gamble either. He, he, it seemed as if it was going to be a surefire thing, but he's just hardly played. Obviously, the injuries have, have taken the toll and maybe that's knocked his confidence. And yeah, yeah. he does have one of those feels to it where he's um, he's from a, a small club compared to coming in from being a big dog at Fulham to being just a kid at Spurs is going to be a bit of a culture shock to him. So he's, you know, it's... We just see how it goes. I really want him to succeed. I think he has all the tools to succeed, and I think everyone that's ever seen him play at his best knows that he's got the talent. But it's just actually seeing where that goes and, and how we can apply that. I mean, his, his goal, his goal away, away, away was, was very well, very well taken. taken. Um, and that's kind that's of probably, probably what I would say the highlight of his career so far. So, far. so, so So if he, if he can be sort of part of this new era, era if you like, then 
He has shown flashes of it because he's he scored a was it Bayern away? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a well taken goal. Yeah, so I want to see him play. It's just one of those where, same as on Dembele, he actually needs to play. That's the biggest thing is these players need to play themselves into form. They can't. Hardly any footballer turns up and is their best version of themselves in their first performance, especially after just signing. We've seen it so many times. It is, it's stupid to expect or think otherwise. They they have to have some sort of grace period. So so we'll move, we'll on, move on to our final signing of the uh, of the season, which was uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. Well, Celso. I'm not sure how you want to pronounce it. Tedness out there. Um, mm-hmm. Greatest, greatest player of all time. Is that is that is that too soon? Well, I think if we sort of um, go back into what we've just said about letting players play themselves in, he wasn't amazing when he first started. He were we're playing him in different positions. He was picking up little knocks. He he had that really long injury he picked up while he was on Argentina duty, which was really annoying. But now he's given and been given an extended run, found a more settled position. He's fantastic and he's the type of player we want and we've, we've missed and he's making us miss players like Ericsson less and he's a, he's a midfield type that we haven't had for a little while um, and that's really nice to see and, and somebody who for the next five, six years we, we really know could we can hang his hats on um, but it's because he's been allowed to play and he's almost the example there for the other players that haven't played and haven't yeah. performed as to what we should do with him because he he was given that grace period and, and we've been repaired for that because yeah, he's built yeah. his confidence up and his performances have, have, have benefited. He's going to be, to me, he's going to be a big, big player for us. He's, he's just got that kind of spark about him right where he's not even fully there yet. He's not even fully clicked. He's apparently been playing through the pain um, because I did kind of touch on his performances post-lockdown having been great, but... Apparently he's he's been playing with an injury. Um, I think Mourinho confirmed that not long ago. But overall, the the lad looks brilliant. It's just it's good to see a player who. There's just sometimes when you see him on the ball making those penetrating runs, it's reminiscent of Bale, like his stride and his strength on the ball, and just his kind of his purpose that he has um, that he brings into most games as well. He's always looking forward, he's always looking to be positive, and he just looks like a, a fiery, competitive type of player that we've really lacked for a while. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah, about really. Him. Needs, um, he really needs some uh, anger management though, because he's he's got that Lamella streak in him where oh, he's, he he's does, kicking yeah, people yeah. and there's no need. But he's a smart shithouser though as well. That's the thing that I like about him. He's got that whole baby-faced, huh? Who? Me? Sort of look to the ref mm. every time he, he does something a bit nasty, which Lamella yeah, hasn't He's going to get mastered. sent off at some point next season for raking somebody's ankle. Oh, big time, big time. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I'm 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 fond. I like him. Bring it on. Um, so I guess just in closing, mate, on the season, it's it's been an interesting one. But there are there are positives to carry forward. So looking ahead to next year, what are your main kind of hopes, really? My main hope, Jack, is to enjoy watching Tottenham again. I think that's what post-lockdown Spurs has been about. I think because it's been almost a relief to have something, a distraction there. I've looked forward to the games, which I hadn't really before. And even to the, towards the start of lockdown, the, the, the proposition of, of Spurs being there and, and to, there to watch again and disappointed again was was not really the most welcome one. But it does feel as if we have turned a slight bit of a corner and hopefully the... The summer can feel positive and we can bring in a few players and that rebuild that Pochettino told us we needed and we knew ourselves we needed can happen. I think we've you know, we've lost a couple of people that has been painful, you know, Vatongan going, which we'll I'm sure we'll speak about on a different podcast during the summer. We will do, yeah. Um we've we've not just forgotten about him. No. Um is is just um it's painful, but it's 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 the type of pain that Pochettino told us was coming. It, he, he was in love with the club as much as we are, and he knew that 
you know, painful changes had to be made for the long-term success of the football team and that's what we're going to experience now. We're going to experience players leaving that that we necessarily wouldn't want to, but in the nature of the sport and the nature of the game and the nature of ageing and life, you have to move on from, from certain things and certain people. I think that's what, after having such a happy and settled time under Pochettino, after rarely being a happy or settled football club, especially in the modern era, that was a really big, really big hit. Um, more so than anyone else has been. Um, and I think other clubs get over it and kind of process that a lot quicker because they they don't have those type of relationships. I mean, the the Sir Alex Ferguson parallel isn't exactly parallel. It's, it's an imperfect comparison. But if you see the state of that club after he went um, and only just now starting to find their feet again, it's because... It's because football and, 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 and sport and supportership, especially from our perspective, is a, is a wholly emotional thing. And yeah, and yeah, just just finding a balance to that emotion again would be nice. That's what I'm looking forward to, to actually, you know, to look forward to watching Spurs, to try and want to make time to watch them, to look forward to results, to to have some positivity and maybe some hope at some point and, and it not be a, another thing in in life and in this year and in the, the circumstances and society we're in that disappoints us and, and enrages us and, and upsets us, which, you know, unfortunately this season has been has been more down than it has up. But you you know, we've come back from worse. It's it's not it's not the worst problem or hull we've ever been in as a football team. It's you know, it's first world problems very much, you know we're crying about having one of the greatest managers has ever been in the modern era in charge of the football team for fuck's yeah. sake so it's um, you know and, and asking whether or not our 60 million pound midfielders going to succeed or not it's you know we're not we're not Wigan going into administration and stuff like that so the, you know some some sort of awareness and self-awareness is required but I just I just want to enjoy Spurs again next year that's my uh, that's my hope I know what you mean and it's it's yeah so it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment, mate. Like, and I mean, I mean that genuinely, and it it's it's one that I share a lot because I think that has been the biggest downer out the back of the the Pochettino stuff is almost the the feeling that I've lost a bit of a connection with the club again. It it felt that that whole era was a bridge from White Hart Lane and the old Spurs into what we are now. This new kind of I guess quasi for the time being super club, big stadium, Nike kit, big branded campaigns, you know, our games screened around the world. But us being one of the the flagship teams, if you like, of the Premier League now, which are things that are all quite alien to Spurs fans and I think have, speaking from my own perspective at least, led to uh, maybe a bit of a feeling of, of disconnect here and there and it, it with me it wasn't just losing somebody like Pochettino who I admired and respected a lot as as a bloke and as a manager and the football he gave to us but just also what he represented that it, it, it that it was kind of like the almost in he was a personified version of Spurs the you know the echo of glory the the so near but yet so far the dreamer and letting that go, it, it, it was just that there was that perfect mesh between the club and that man and that Champions League run that it, it, it all just was so perfectly Tottenham. And I don't even mean that in the throwaway Spursy sense and everything like that. It was just like, God, imagine if this, these these three elements combined all together now, we could just take that step and just, you know, do it. But we didn't and maybe that's that's almost like a perfect end to it that we are ushering in something new but kind of as well like you were saying on that note that things do change and things change form and we have to kind of learn to deal with that because it's not just about football it's not just about the club it's a bigger life issue and everything like that that it is quite nice to see on that note that at the end of the season, we've brought Ledley King back to the coaching staff. You know, that's yeah, it's, it's, it's such a stalwart of the club that, you know, I, I've I've 
personally found it very uncomfortable. And, you know, again, at, at the end of the day, I'm sure the guy's been happy to have work, but almost like the perceived from my perspective, but there's almost been a sort of certain level of disrespect in the way in which we've used Ledley King in terms of like, let's slap him on a funny Christmas promo and let's have him opening up a Sainsbury's. It's like, we're, we're generally talking about like a guy who's been one of our greatest players of all time and we're kind of reducing him to a side act. And it's, you know, this it's not to say that he's himself felt in any position to take the type of role that he's taken on, but... I think the fact that Mourinho or whoever at the club has identified that you can bring in someone like Ledley, that he can actually tangibly help the defence. I, I, I'm not sure what the stats are, but apparently there, there is some stat that shows that from the point at which Ledley King started working with our defenders, our defensive record, and this is during Mourinho's tenure, for all the talk about, oh, it's only because Mourinho plays negative football, that from... Ledley King starting to work with our defenders, there's been a marked improvement in our defensive record. And whether that's just a coincidence or not, who knows? But I choose to believe that it's not because I saw how great Ledley King was. And I can yeah. only imagine... I almost think, um, yeah, you know. I almost think it's a good thing that he wasn't just parachuted in and given a token place yeah. on the bench from Maybe, day yeah. one. Because he's he's clearly gone away and learned his craft and learned how to coach and things, and he's done some work with the kids. And I agree, it's sad to see him. His fall has been from you know the greatest defender we've ever seen in the shirt and probably will ever see in the shirt to the guy that we pull out for ceremonial occasions and you know send to be the face of the club. I think the the kind reading of it was that he was made the ambassador face yeah, of the yeah. club. The, unkind version of it is that he cuts ribbons at Sainsbury's. Um, <laughs> but to see him actually be given a, a proper role with what affects the football team, which is what you know he was for so many years and might be again, is you know, it's really heartwarming and I hope it goes well. I mean, if he if if in years to come he can be an actual coach in his own right and is and is someone that is worthy of the Tottenham job and isn't just given it because he's Ledley King, then that would be amazing. Um, and it would be really fitting for him and, and really warming for us if he was to able to have that second chapter as a as a as a coach and, and you know deliver and experience things in a Tottenham context. Um from the other side of, of operations that'd be really nice. But it's it'll be good to see him in the in the tracksuit and on the touchline. I just just the calming presence of, you know, reading the old team lineups, even when he was on the wane toward the end of his career, I just remember vividly everybody being like, is King in the starting lineup? And every time people would say, yeah, just a collective sigh of relief. And I still don't think, even even with Kane, who I think probably is now the greatest player I've ever seen play for Spurs, if I'm going to say, like I think Harry Kane probably is. But, yeah. Led, Ledley King is just neck and neck with him. Um, for any like, because I saw a few kind of like younger people on Twitter saying like, was Ledley King actually that good, or is it just Spurs fans looking back like, oh it's it, shit that no, we're at that age now, isn't it, Jack? It, it it's just not like Ledley King was. If just imagine for for anybody who is younger listening to us who didn't really get Ledley King in his pomp, just imagine Harry Kane. In defence, there you go. That that's, that's all that needs to be said. A kid that came through the academy, Sol Campbell's gone. We think all hopes lost. Ledley King's there, and you're suddenly like, "Fuck, this kid is class." And that was just it from that point on. And he got if Ledley King a lot. wasn't injured. Uh, he would have gone to Manchester United, Real Madrid for thirty-five million or something, which was the big money back in the yeah. day. He would have gone for that amount. He would have been the first name on the England team sheet. He yeah. would have, you know, the likes of Rio Ferdinand and um, the likes of Rio Ferdinand and John Terry and and all those sort of defenders, Jamie Carragher and what have you, would have paled in in, in significance compared to him. If I can get my words out, but the injuries got to him, and it's you know, at one point we had the two most naturally gifted English central defenders in Woodgate and King. But both of them were constantly broken. 
And they were both unbelievable in their own right. Like, absolutely. Yes, they were. It's no surprise that the only piece of silverware we won recently was in a game where those two both yeah. started at the back against an incredible Chelsea attack. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's peak Didier Drogba, you know. Um, yeah. So, there you go. Oh. The only reason he scored in that game is because Paul Robinson could never read the flight path of a ball that wasn't two centimetres away from his face. I know it's an easy one and a trite one maybe to fall back on, but, you know, Thierry Henry has nothing to gain from saying the greatest defender he ever played against was Ledley King, you know? And it, and he played against some good defenders. Yeah, you know, so there you go. Say no more in it. Feels like a, a nice yep. a nice note to end on. But as, as Roz said, we will be recording bits and pieces here and there over the summer, so we're not going to disappear. Um, I'm very eager to keep using my new microphone that isn't just for me recording stuff in my room on my own, just saying random things into it and listening back to it. So if I, could, if I feel like I can record something of value and put it out there, then will do. And uh, we'll, we'll be back soon, I guess. Bamboleo, bamboleo. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.